0: The Last Factor Podcast. What is up, college lacrosse fans? You are watching episode 104. I got it wrong last time. I thought the last episode was 104, and it wasn't. It was uh, 103. This one's 104. So in today's episode, we're going to cover a, do a little bit of a hypothetical storyboard here of what would have happened if we had lacrosse action on Memorial Day. And then we have a buttload of actual transfer news. We have Will York heading to Notre Dame. That's a huge pickup for the Irish. We have Connor Kirst from Villanova on the move. We have uh, Syracuse picking up a couple of defensive transfers. My notes are getting hung up here. So we got a lot to talk about today. bunch of A bunch of transfer news uh, at the tail end of it after we go through our hypothetical, what would have happened on Memorial Day. Before I dive into all of it, I would like you all to like, subscribe and hit the notification bell. Subscribe people. If you're seeing this video and you haven't subscribed yet, it's not going to hurt you to subscribe. It might pop our videos up in your feed a little bit more often. We're only putting one or two out a week. So we we don't flood your 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 um your feed full of full of junk so subscribe 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 we're getting close to 9000 subscribers we'd be over 10 12000 right now if we had a lacrosse season but alas we got slowed down by that so like subscribe hit the notification bell and as always go to laxfactor.com to get yourself some swag we also have these t-shirts that by the time I put this up, they will be on sale. They're old t-shirts that we've had sitting in a bin forever here. So I think we're gonna sell them for uh, 15 delivered. That includes shipping and everything. So let's get into this. Who would have won it all on Memorial Day weekend had we had a lacrosse tournament? And the reality is, who knows? And I don't know, but I'm going to give you my top four and then I'm just going to annoy you all with how I think that that would have transpired. I think in the quarterfinals, Cuse was going to end up getting stuck playing Maryland in the quarters, and the Cuse faithful would have been angered by that fact because we would have been thinking we had this great regular season. How are we getting stuck once again with this nasty team in the quarters? But the reality is that's just our perception. Everybody is having a has to play a dangerous team in the quarterfinals of the NCAA lacrosse tournament. But the Orange, they were going to win by two goals, and an empty netter was going to be the difference in that one. Virginia in their quarterfinal was going to drew, draw Cornell. And despite the great regular season that Cornell had, they're going to lose to Yale in the Ivy League tournament finals. So that stunk. And then, but they were still going to make the tournament. And UVA and their star power in the end in the quarters were still going to win out. UVA beats Cornell and advances to the final four. Penn State ends up play, playing Denver in their quarterfinal game. And that everyone's angry again because it's like, oh my gosh. Penn State drew Denver, and everybody else drew all these other teams, but Denver was solid. But in the end, Penn State, they hold on to it, and they win by three, four most of the game, and they pull away a little bit and you know maybe win by five. By the end of it, but Penn State beats Denver, they're in the finals, and then Yale ends up playing offensive power UNC, but Chris Gray and Company they just can't get the job done. Yale plays solid defense. Jack Star earns the starting role before the end of the season. He gets it back, and Yale wins yet another tournament game, and Yale makes the final four. So now we have a semifinal. Syracuse versus Virginia. These t- two teams had played each other twice already. They split. Cuse won during the regular season. UVA took the ACC tournament semi-final meeting, knocking the Cuse out in the semis. But the Cuse midfield, gelling with attackman Chase Scanlon and a defense that had Nick Mellon back for about six games because he was injured, uh, they... Advance to the finals and they beat Duke. Drake Porter ends up with 19 saves in that game and he proves to be a big factor. Now we go into semifinal two, Penn State versus Yale. Penn State, a team of destiny. Is this the year they do it? No. TD Erlin mercs Gerard Arceri over the course of the game. Starts out really even. TD in his final season ends up beating his arch nemesis Gerard Arceri, who he has kind of fared very well against and uh amat A- goes off for eight points on four goals and four assists an odd number for him being that it's even o'keefe has held to just four goals no helpers but the rest of the nittany lions feasted or no the rest of the Nittany Lions were quieted, and Yale advances. And then in the finals, who to thunk it? Cuse wins. Uh, TD Erland, he wins a boatload of face-offs, but the Cuse defense gets enough stops that Cuse is able to handle it. The Cuse attack, semi-quiet, but the midfield scores 12 goals between the first and second line. All three first-line mids put up hat-tricks, Trimboli, Dordovic, Curry, and the orange edge Yale by a goal. In OT with Chase Scanlon, netting the game winner on an assist from Jamie Trimboli. And that's how it would have gone down. That's my hypothetical, and I'm not going to waste any more of your time with those. Let us move on to big, big transfer news. Will York heading to Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish, the new ACC team that is greatly benefiting from the transfer portal over the last two years. York is a 6'4", 210, big boy, filthy lefty finisher. I should say big bois. He's a big bois because he's not even a big boy. He's a big bois. I just like the way that sounds. Went for 34 goals and 11 assists in 2019 as a junior after not doing crap in his first two seasons at Bucknell. Three goals combined over his freshman and sophomore years, but last year, 34 and 11, last year being 2019, 34 and 11. He was sitting at 25 goals and six assists in 2020 so far with a 43% shooting percentage and Bucknell sitting at five and one. And York was a huge, huge reason that Bucknell was having success. Put up a hat trick in their only loss to Ohio State, so he's able to factor against quality teams. Scored nine goals and two assists in a route against Marist, and a lot of people would say, well, it's just Marist, but Marist beat a really solid Army team uh, pretty badly during the regular season. Marist was a solid ball club. Kid can score goals. He can create as well uh, when, when when necessary, but Notre Dame has enough weapons that I, I presume you're going to kind of see him, you know, sit and really enjoy a goal scoring role, uh, maybe a little bit of two dodging. You know, you get your dodge down the alley from one of the mids or from one of the attack and bang, bang to him, two-step shot score. That's the kind of guy he is. He will fit in really well within that Notre Dame scheme and just give them another big bodied scorer. So that's huge. I think this is even bigger news and I should have almost led with this, but I added it last night late. Connor Kirst, stud from Villanova, stud midfielder out in Villanova. He was an honorable mention All-American in 2019, off to an incredible start in 2020. Big kid, 6'2", 210, a bully dodger. Kid will dodge from, he'll, he'll actually go to the rack and he goes to the rack hard. He will dodge. He will re-dodge. And he loves that bull rush where it's like, hey, I'm right-handed, i I'm not going to dodge away from you down the right alley. I'm going to run from the corner right directly into you, back you up, almost like that Ward move you see a lot of really big midfielders do, uh, kind of a la uh, Tahoga Nanakoke, Tahoga where he'll just kind of two-handed, bull rush right into his defender, get that push off a little bit with the momentum, and then rip shots. He loves shooting through people like that. The kid is mean, and I like it. No stranger to game winners. Stuck the game winner against Yale at the beginning of 2019. In 2020, 17 goals and seven helpers uh, before the season was ended. In 2019, 31 goals, 19 assists. A very solid output. Output for this player. Uh, Triple threat, can do a bit of everything. He's very consistent though. The only downside is he's a volume shooter, meaning he's going to take a lot of shots. He's going to take a lot of outside shots. He's going to take a lot of contested shots on these bully dodges that he does. So he misses the cage a lot. Even when he puts it on cage, tends to get saved a little more than average uh, simply by proxy of he likes to shoot from outside quite a bit. But in terms of his consistency. Scored at least one point in 14 of 15 games in 2019. The only goose egg he put up was the first game of the year against Penn State, but he had four ground balls in that game. Scored at least three points or more in 11 of 15 games last year. Scored at least four points in seven of 15 games and had a few five-point games and seven-point games and he had a, what did he have here, a seven-point game against Penn, nonetheless, and a two-goal loss. So it wasn't like he's the kind of kid that just puts up his points against hot trash and then two or three points against the good teams. He He's capable of putting up points on anybody depending on the day. Moral of the story, though, Kirst gets the job done. Every game, every game he shows up on the stat sheet. Usually, more often than not, he's showing up on the stat sheet in a, in a considerable way, and he is not afraid to put the world on his shoulders and go to the rack in a game-winning situation. That dodge that he had against Yale for the game-winner, it was crazy because he was dodging from X and he dodged and re-dodged and dodged and re-dodged. I think there was four moves that he had to rope together to kind of get, squeak that in, goal line extended up the right side. Uh, An incredible move. His brother, Colin Kirst, graduated from Lehigh. He's supposedly going to join him. Not sure that's big news, for Rutgers. Cursed was not a, a starting caliber goalie or didn't play uh, very much at all while he was at Lehigh, but he's going to join him. I think they're both going to be super seniors because I know his brother did graduate from Lehigh. And there's like a litter of Cursed children playing high level lacrosse here. There's another Cursed at Lehigh that's still playing on the team at Lehigh. I think he's a Mitter in Attack. He plays on the under 19 team. There's another Cursed who's currently ranked number eight in his class who's going to Cornell. And yet another brother who's like a ninth or 10th grader uh, at this moment or whatnot. So the cursed family, a veritable litter of nasty lacrosse players, good for them, but that's a huge pickup for for Rutgers with having cursed go there. I'm not even sure if I said that he was going to Rutgers until just now, but that's where he's transferring to. Cursed is heading to Rutgers with his younger brother. I think they're his younger brother, but I'm not sure. Cuse. Cuse making a little bit of noise. They're not getting... They got the big one last year with Chase Scanlon. Not the big one, but one of the big ones last year with Chase Scanlon. And so far in this transfer period, they've been quiet, but there's still a lot of guys up for the taking here and a lot of New York kids that I wonder if some of them are going to come home for the graduate year. Cole Horan and Nick Hapney, two transferred defenders that are going to help provide some depth for Cuse at the defense. Solid poll is Horan from Furman. 15 caused turnovers, 38 ground balls, and 11 starts in 2019. I I didn't see it fully, but it looked like he earned a starting spot and then finished the season out. Furman's defense was terrible, though. They're one of the reasons that Boven, uh, Van de Bovenkamp, I think that was the one. Uh, he was their goalie. That I and I always said I thought that he looked like a solid goalie, and that maybe it was just the defense wasn't holding uh, holding up in front of him. But either way, this kid started most of the games in 2019. He started all seven games in 2020, having a good year in 2020. Eight caused turnovers and 15 ground balls for Cole Haran in 2020, all starts, and he also had a goal and an assist. So adding a little bit of depth, I'm not sure he's a starting caliber defender coming from that Furman team that had a terrible defense, but he is certainly an able big body defender that's going to help them. Hapney. Uh, Nick Hapney uh, out of Utah, he started every game in 2019 for the Utes. He had three goals, two assists, and started 17 of his first 18 games for the Utes. He is a was a sophomore in 2020, so I believe he comes to Syracuse with two or three years of eligibility, depending on what his transfer situation was with Utah. For all I know, he could be a graduate student, so don't quote me on that. But the kid's solid, started 17 to 18 games, so we have more experience. Another kid that's not afraid to strap him up and, and try to guard Strap him up. I, I always hated that because it sounds a little bit too close to strap him on. I guess that's not, you know, bad unless your head's in a gutter like mine is all the time. So Syracuse adds some depth at defense, though. That's that's important. Uh, 19 caused turnover over his first one and a half seasons and eight so far in 2020. So he was on pace in 2020 to, you know, put up quite a few cause turnovers as a defender. And that's something you always like to see. They lose Mellon to graduation and to the MLL and they lost Jared Fernandez, their long pole midfielder, very good little guy, but very good long pole midfielder to Hopkins. So this will help add some depth. And they picked up the D3 transfer. Where was he from? From Gettysburg or from Lynchburg or something, big body. And that kid could potentially play as well. So Cuse adds Three defenders through the transfer porter to port portal to help bolster their defense a little bit. Now I'm just waiting for him to add an attackman. I feel like they could use a really solid uh, uh, super senior attackman from one of these schools that you know could put up a solid thirty. Josh Kersan led the Big Ten in save percentage, fifty-eight point four. Uh, percent, goals against 10.19, and total saves in seven games before the COVID outbreak. Kersan was having the season that uh, a lot of people thought he was capable of having for Ohio State in cage, and uh, he is ditching, and I didn't even see here. I'm not sure if I even wrote where he was ditching for. Now I can't remember. Did he go to Hopkins? I, I wrote. I literally took all this time, and I wrote up this big long report. Well, let's get through it. Let's talk about Kursan a little bit, and maybe in here somewhere I did put. I, I want to say that I think Kursan ended up at Hopkins, and uh, that was going to be, you know, at least a, a chance that they were going to improve their goalie situation. He was the Big Ten Specialist of the Week in February 11th after making 18 saves and an 11-4 win over Boston U. One month later, he had 19 saves uh, as the Buckeyes beat Hoster 12-10. 19 saves were tied for the most in a single game by an Ohio State goalie since 2005. So that's a pretty big deal. Finished fifteenth nationally in saves per game, tenth in save percentage. Yada yada yada. Made ten or more saves in six of their seven games this year for Ohio State. But my gripe with Ohio State is always they don't play the toughest schedule early on. But I think this year it was it was panning out that it looked a little better. So he's on the right path. He's improved throughout his career. Forty eight percent as a sophomore, fifty percent as a junior, and he was uh, um, doing well. You know this season as well. Not good enough to be considered elite. He doesn't he doesn't win you games. I don't believe over time, but he won't lose you games. And that's really all you can ask for at this stage for a goalie. So I believe he went to Hopkins and, uh, I'm sorry that in my notes, I forgot to, to make note of that, but, uh, you guys can tell me in the comments if I was wrong, but either way, Kersan, whoever picked him up and I believe it was Hopkins. Uh, that's a a good get. I want to say it was Hopkins also, because I believe that they said that he was an in in conference transfer that was going to be able to play right away due to something. So that's that, uh, who else we want to talk about here? Ben French, Ben French, Delaware transfer kid, kid could play ball. So he is transferring to Tampa of all places. That's a huge get. I I had been watching French. I've been hoping French maybe ended up at Syracuse. The kid's a finisher a legit offensive threat. He had a team high 38 points for Delaware in 2019 on 29 goals, nine assists. He can go to the rack. He can shoot. He can play off ball. He's just a solid, solid player. He chose Tampa. So Whipple and company down there, they end up picking up a, a French is good enough that any division one team that picked him up would have been like, yeah, that's a good get, including me, even adding him to a Syracuse roster that was already loaded. So for Tampa to pick him up, especially considering Tampa was hot, they were coming off an 8-0 record by the time COVID crapped on the season. So French, he certainly can't hurt their chances of trying to repeat the success they had at the beginning in the first half of their season this year. So they pick up a solid guy. Yeah, and then uh, he's going to be mixed with Brian Wright, uh, five seven one thirty five. They got a, a hobbit playing attack down there in Tampa, but the kid is fast, a goal scorer. He had 21 goals, 10 assists over their first eight games. So the Wright kid, he is a threat. You put French, a big beast, Opposite him, and you've got two legitimate goal scorers on attack, and maybe they just gotta find somebody to to kind of play that feeder role. I bet you you see Wright's stats pick up a little bit, maybe even up a little bit more, just because as this little guy's dodging to the rack left and right, um, you're gonna see French get open quite a bit, maybe score on the opposite side of the field, maybe out top. I can't remember if French is a lefty or a righty. I saw him play a handful of times and every time I saw him play he put up points he factored and I, I thought hey that, that kid's legit is all hell but then we got a Bodan Sl- Bodan Sulik Bodan Sulik defender out of Lafayette started all six of Lafayette's Lafayette's games as a freshman he's heading to hop with four years of eligibility remaining so this is a big get for the Jays they add a starting caliber defender I'm not sure once again if he if he is a starter on Hopkins squad but they've struggled defensively and this kid has a good frame and and a good skill set and he could fit in well Uh, he played uh, versus five I don't even know what I'm saying here, versus five opponents in the top 15. So all of Lafayette's games were against guys, teams in the top 15, and he grabbed 11 ground balls and forced six turnovers as a freshman. So those are solid numbers for a rookie playing for a solid ball club in Lafayette. Moral of the story, like Duke, Hopkins had some obvious weak spots, and they've appeared to fill them. So that confirms Krasan picked uh, Hopkins. I I knew somewhere I was going to tip myself off that it was was Hopkins that Krasan went to. But uh, Hopkins, they were a little bit weak in cage for the last few years and, uh, and on defense. And maybe part part of the reason they were weak in cage was they weren't gelling defensively. Who knows? But they haven't had a, a ball stopper that they could trust. They haven't had a ball stopper in cage that can win them ball games. And I don't know if Krasan's that guy. And I said he wasn't. But just like in the NFL, you put a solid offensive line in front of a, any quarterback in the NFL, and they're going to have a good year. I feel like Kersan is that guy. If you end up putting a solid defense that plays good team defense in front of Kersan, he is a good enough goalie, maybe not to win you that game uh, consistently, but he will certainly have his 18, 19 save games that will, I guess, in essence, win you a game, And uh, but he's not going to lose games for you. He's going to go out and he's going to play solid as long as you put a solid defender in front of him. But uh, either way, uh, Sulak, Sulak, however you pronounce that, he is a solid defender. They also picked up the Fernandez. So, you know, you were Hopkins had kind of holes in defense, and they pick up Fernandez, who's an all-American caliber long pole midfielder. He wasn't at Syracuse, but that's just because he had Kennedy. And it was a very crowded defense in midfield uh, for Syracuse last year. And Fernandez decides I'm Bolton. I'm heading to Hopkins. So that's huge talent that they pick up. So they pick up a goalie, two defenders, both capable of being on the field from day one and helping them out. So again, neither Kersan or uh, Sulak are are Sulak are guaranteed starters. But just like with Syracuse adding the three poles, they've added people on the defensive side of the ball that will add depth. I think that Fernandez is starting. I, I don't remember who Hopkins had at pole, or if he's coming back, but I, I presume Fernandez is going to start in some capacity, at least be on the field, a bunch for them. And so that's good. And uh, I saw also a little bit more COVID related news where uh, people are mad to college recruiting is all kind of verklempt. Their their kids are going to play in tournaments and coaches aren't allowed to show up and talk to them. So they, they whatever it's called, the dead period is extended through July 31st. It doesn't affect me outside of I get to talk about it or have to talk about it. And that's about it. So... Yeah, I, the, the whole Memorial Day weekend, it was kind of sad this weekend. I, I actually thought about popping a video up while I was sitting in the backyard, and I find myself fairly unmotivated at this stage, except to talk about the transfer news, because that's exciting, seeing how this free agency period uh, pans out for, these, for, the, for the college kids but I have found myself a little, just a little bored with it. There's nothing to really talk about. And, uh, the transfer stuff has intrigued me a great deal, but we're getting close to having some PLL action, some MLL action. So they've got all their crap in order. Now their rosters, I believe are going to be finalized by the end of this week. I think that they were saying no more roster moves. We'll see what that is. I, I don't want to get, too deep into talking about what's going to happen with those uh, with those leagues until the rosters are set. And then we can really go through and start picking it apart. Uh, So probably in next week's episode, we're going to have to mix it. So we'll probably talk a little bit of pro probably we'll end up talking the big cats that are coming back in each of the leagues for next week's episode. We're going to just stick with this one episode a week until there's enough news to warrant two. And I'll just continue to do the, the longer form. But that's it for today. I don't know if I made the full 30 minutes as I was trying to, but it was at least some good, informative stuff to talk about. As always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, subscribe, 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 and then share it. And you can go to laxfactor.com, get yourself some swag. We got coffee mugs, hats, shirts, -shirts, uh, T-shirts, brand related stuff that has kind of our logo on it, but then also just random lacrosse shirts. Uh, you know, I beat people with a stick, a defender shirt and all sorts of cool crap. So go to laxfactor.com and then you can watch our videos, uh, there as well. Everything that we put up on YouTube, we eventually move into the website as well. So as always, thank you for listening and Hoost is out.